0: And welcome to today's podcast. It is uh, about 1.15 in Podcastville, or as Beth- Bethany would say, for you, the audience. Oh, man, the world no, I'm solo together. today. Hit you with monologue. I want to talk about my brother and the uppercut he got. Today is a very special day for him. And I knew it was close to the day, but I let him lead the way on this uh, something I think I had promised on Monday or last week. Um, I think I can get to it today. I'm going to have to be very delicate because even though one person posted it, I think it's applicable to a lot of us. Uh, and for the first time, I am able to implement Chat GPT. Um, Who's calling me from, is that you calling me from Yakima, Washington? Uh, It's not Yakima, it's Yakima. And for the very first time in in the months that it has been ablaze with interest, mostly from businesses, tech, corporate people. I don't know, maybe maybe if you have kids or you're a teacher, you're aware of um, AI. Chat GPT is the one that's been um, nuclear hot. Super solar hot since the fall And I've messed around with it To me it was not much different than Siri Um, I've gotten a little bit better Knowing like how to use it And I threw something at it last night It has finally It will be able to help me In my professional life So I can finally relate to everybody else Who is just bonkers over this thing What should we start with? Oh boy oh boy oh. oh. So yesterday I was on a call uh, I was invited to be a, in a Zoom session with uh, for someone asking questions, looking for feedback on the Jewish Federation of Toledo, which I am a part of in all ways except actually attending things. It was funny. One of the women, uh, there was four of us on the call, very nice people, uh, in addition to the person asking the questions. One of the women um, said, you know, I've I've been doing this for like seven years and I have... I I don't know you. I've never seen you at any of our events. I'm like, yep yeah, that 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 that's me. Um, and I don't do the don't you know who I am. In fact, I asked a question of someone last night on on Bumble that could have come off with me looking very arrogant, and I just let it alone instead of attempting to make it or trying to make it better and actually making it worse. So, uh, this woman I guess was hired to. Acquire feedback about what the Jewish Federation and uh, that's as a whole and Jewish Federation Family Services, which really works with with older people, seniors, people with disabilities. um, They wanted to know what they were doing, good and bad. And after we answered a bunch of questions and 30 some minutes of dialogue, like my light bulb went off and I decided to speak for the other three people. The Jewish Federation is doing everything they, they they get they get high passing grades on everything. I don't get too many emails. I find out about events. Um, I just don't participate in them, but I still know everything that's going on. The one person that doesn't want to read emails sees Facebook posts. Like we were all like thumbs up. My friend Hallie and the team are doing a good job, but obviously this person was trying to figure out how they can do better and grow, because that's, that's that's what we have to do, right? And, and my light bulb was, we have these phenomenal events, some small, like very Jewish-centric, like you have no idea what Purim is, that very small, we have a lot of small holidays. But then there's the big ones, like Passover and Hanukkah. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, those are the big ones. Not that we do anything with Yom Kippur, but my point was, we have these phenomenal events that Hallie and her team and others put on Jewish Book Festival. There's a Jewish Food Festival. There's a Jewish Movie Festival that happens at Lourdes. And all the people, the, all 2,200 of us that need to know about it or want to be a part of it, we know about it. And we we attend if we want. You know who doesn't know about these things? The community at large. I think we have hit our peak With the audience, the Jewish Federation is trying to serve those 2,200 people. Let's let everybody who isn't Jewish know about how cool these events are. And that you, they have never not been welcome, but people just haven't known about these. So, let's scream it out. Um, Come to these events. Again, not the small ones, but there's... I used a couple of examples, like there's the Polish festival. I've never been to that one, but I know it, it, it's growing. The, the Little Gaff, Greek-American festival. Um, that happens at the Church on Cherry and Summit. And, and like the, the granddaddy of them all, this is at the, the extreme of how big these things are. The Gaff, the big Gaff, the German-American festival. And I know these things are, and and other festivals like them, are ethnically based and jewish I remember having this argument, this discussion, I think on the air before with Sarah Haggerty. Jewish is not like an ethnicity. It's a religion. But some of these ethnicities, the little gaff, deeply tied to uh, a religious community, that Greek Orthodox Church, right? That's just a smaller version of the point. Um, These events are huge, and people who are nothing like German, Greek, Polish, whatever... Muslim, attend these events because we're the community at large and they love the food and the music and everything else that makes them what they are. Like, I know probably most of the people who go to the gaff go for the dancing and not the alcohol. Um, We need to make our events, our key events, and I'll just use the the movie movie series or the, the, the book series. We need to make these events on a scale of these other events Where you have the Old West End Festival The Polish Festival The the, the Little Gaff, the Big Gaff You have them stapled onto your calendars We need to make Events with the Jewish Federation That are sensational events These need to be on your calendar Everybody else's calendar as well So it can be more than just the of the twenty-two hundred Jews that are interested in these, because you will love the food, you will love the movies, you will love the books. Let's intersect. Uh, they they taught, talked on the call. There, let's see if there is like a Jewish LGBT story out there that can be screened with the movie, or an author, or whatever. That was a big ass light bulb I had yesterday. So that's that's kind of my mission. Um, it's probably too late this year because summer festivals will be here in a second. But sooner rather than later, um, or maybe we'll plan something for Rosh Hashanah, which is our which is the Jewish New Year. Um, get that lined up and invite everybody to celebrate the Jewish New Year. As you have probably, hopefully, heard me say before, I I love. I don't practice my religion real well, but I love my religion because I have always seen it as so inclusionary, so inclusive, not exclusive at all. We welcome anyone and everyone and there's no kind of evangelizing. Um, We don't have, God. there's evangelists, but then there's other things where they ask you to join, like missionary type things. We don't want to indoctrinate you. Just come be a part of the party. Next up, Um, we'll talk about my brother, uh, today he, so he is in between his jobs. Uh, I might've told you he is no longer working for the, the small dealer, um, that he was buying cars for that the gentleman closed and someone that he knew at another large dealership, a Nissan dealer offered him a job. And, uh, he's got about two weeks off, um, to just hang before he starts. So this week, his mission is to get childcare for Noel and i was like yeah it's like a mortgage or a car payment he's and he, he texted me back $1700 i asked him if he was reconsidering going back to work and i know exactly i'm i'm glad that people over the last decade or so have said you know what just one of us will work because if i work as well the way the math works out after we pay for childcare i'm getting $300 and some health insurance for 40 hours of work. I'd rather just cut that $300. And be home and be my own child care. And the other person. And I guess they could have done that. As a Tracy will be a Philadelphia public school teacher. In the fall. But it looks like Paul's going to go back to work. The other thing is. And I knew this was around here. I, I'm, I'm a bad son. I know the week. Of my mom. And dad's birthdays. And Paul's is like the 25th but not the exact date. My dad's. it's either April 16th or April 18th. Hell, I forget my birthday times. I forget my age repeatedly. Ever since I hit like 35. And again, so I will turn 44 on May 9th. And I will be 44 for the duration of the year. My birthday falls right in the middle of the year. But once the calendar hits 2024, I will just be 45. My math gets all screwed up. Um... My mom's birthday is today. She would have been, and I was off by a year. I thought she was 47, born in 1947. Uh, she was born in uh, 1946. 46. Shit. Sorry. Hold on. Let me just double-check this, because I'm going to feel awful. Again, I am so bad. She would have been 77 today. So she was born in 1946. My dad was born in 1949. If you do the math, better than me. Uh, yeah, my parents had me when they were relatively older. My dad was like 30 and my mom 32, 33. Paul, if you want to do the math, he will be 36 this year. So you can do that math. Mom was much older. And I think when they had him caused some strife and acrimony it might have been the final nail in the marriage of my, final nail in the coffin of the marriage of my parents. Um, I don't know that full story. And in the same way that, so Paul went digging up uh, pictures of my mom. My mom, I remember the year my mom passed away and I was home for two weeks in summer of 2015. My mom must have taken 10,000 pictures. Imagine a small plastic container, not small, say like three feet by a foot. 36 inches by 12 inches, maybe bigger than that. My mom had like 15 of those all filled with pictures. Some were things we did not need to see. So Paul went digging, always goes digging through those, and, and they there are some gems. He sent me pictures today that I've never even seen before of me. And some of these got to tell little four-year-old Eric that in 40 years he's gonna have a hell of a toy collection. So don't be a brat. Um My mom was married before my dad. And I don't know anything about it. In fact, one of the pictures Paul sent me was of that. I don't know anything about him. And I have very early memories. I think I was four. One of my very first memories. We, my mom won the lottery, won a couple grand, and we went to Disneyland. I believe that's where my mom lived for a time and was married to this person. And this is foggy cloudy hazy but i do remember my mom seeing that guy with me when we were out there didn't resonate didn't make any sense at the time didn't care and then decades later and i was like my mom was married a a, a time before barry and then i was like that time she saw him when she was married to my dad in disney no again i don't want to know i remember uh Years ago on, on the old show, when I told, like, uh, the crew, yeah, there, there's things I don't know about my parents. Best friends, what they were good in school at, like, pretty basic stuff. And I told them, I was like, I, I don't want to know. I've never had an interest. And then I thought about it. I was like, yeah, it would be neat to know, but I don't want to open that can of worms up. I want to keep my parents as they are. Kind of like they say, don't meet, your, don't meet your heroes. Um. So today would have been my mom's 77th birthday. And um, it's a day. It's a day. Let's talk more about uh, us when we were younger. And I have two things with this. I saw a post last week, and I got to keep this very vanilla. Saw a post on the internet last week. Someone describing they had been given a diagnosis as they were an adult, um, and then they began to tend to that. It's a mental health diagnosis, not nothing. Truly severe, pretty run-of-the-mill stuff. And then I was reading the things that this person began to do to help themselves with this diagnosis. And I was reading the things that they were doing to manage this diagnosis, and I'm like, this is good insight for anybody right now. And I sent it by my clinician friend, um, and she supported my thought. That it's pretty easy to give ourselves mental health diagnoses Especially this one Because all of us check our phones too much And if you're constantly checking your phone all the time Trying to get that, that hit that, that, that half second buzz Yeah, you're going to have some mental issues so when you don't have your phone you're trying to grab things and touch things and you're i remember 10 years ago i say i remember a lot don't i i remember a lot of things give me some credit 10 years ago i remember sitting in waiting rooms and whatnot for a long time and then leaving those situations going wow i think i have more patience than before where i was really antsy in a waiting room and like 20 minutes felt like 20 hours and i was like no dumbass you're just on your phone the whole time so it kind of makes the the time go by faster remember mental health issues many things uh it it is nature and nurture there's things you're predisposed to because of genetics and then your environment makes things better or worse which is why, um, as my friend Dr. Andrea always points me back to a Johan Hari book, one of the great quotes I took from that book, and he is not anti-medication, but he just wants you to examine other pathways before you dive into medication because it be challenging and frustrating and expensive. He said, before you go changing your brain chemistry, change your environmental ke- chemistry. So what I read last week of this person's remedies to their diagnosis, um, the diagnosis was preventable for a lot of us. Like, I am constantly changing the station in, in my car when I'm listening to the radio. Song I don't like, gone. Commercial, gone. I listen to a lot of talk radio. Caller, gone. We live in a world where near instant gratification if not on a level of 1 to 10, 10, 6, we have given ourselves a lot of impatience. We have brought these diagnoses on our self. That's why I think I said a couple weeks ago, there are people who have been in studies, paid to be off of social media for a month at a time, and they don't come back. So the good thing is some of these diagnoses that we give ourselves willingly, we can break without any without any medication. Or real serious practices Like I'm going to pay you $100 a week To get the fuck off your phone A lot of those people Do not go back in the way they once did They created boundaries for themselves I don't know the amount of hours You're on your phone But let's say that person was checking their phone 100 times a day Let's get it down to 25 okay? And they could do that after they were off it for um A month We can give ourselves certain diagnoses. Our phones can transmit ailments similar to to how colds come from germs that are transmitted. So just to throw that out to you. Also recently, uh, as I have Perrysburg Career Day next week, I have wanted to focus in, especially now because my friends have some teenage kids or older, I wanted to focus in how I can help these parents with their older kids who are in middle school, high school. So I've dived into some of those stories and articles. And I came across something, uh, a study yesterday that was on the Marginal Revolution site. Um, Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. I can. Just give me a second. The headline is... Claim that teen mental health dilemma started well before 2012. I read it, very good story. Direct me to an author named Matt uh, Madeline Levine, who has apparently written several, at least three, um, helpful parenting books. I downloaded one last night on both my Libby and uh, other library app Hoopla. They were on it was on both. And I got into it and she was dispensing, you know, some general insight. And then I was like, I, there was a chapter on coping mechanisms. I was like, aha, this is where I want to go to was not exactly what I expected. Uh, there there are seven coping strategies she offered, and the first three that I got to were creativity, enthusiasm, and resourcefulness. I didn't really, I mean, be creative and you'll cope better. Be enthusiastic and you'll cope better. That's not, that doesn't seem very helpful. Resourcefulness, absolutely. You are in a mini crisis. Take a breath. Take 10 breaths. Count to 10. How can you figure your way out of this problem? Um, to go back to why I believe that the, the the crisis stuff, it just went nuclear with phones, but it was well before twenty twelve. I might have been the last generation. I my every family member, especially on my dad's side, you got to get good grades to go to college. Uh, when I got a nine something on my SATs, my dad sent me to a an SAT. Uh, prep course and I popped out on 1100. Um, I he didn't care that I, I didn't need to get straight A's, but I needed to get good grades. Like uh, uh, a report card full of C's was not acceptable. It had to be for, for me, it was like an A or two, the rest were B's, and, and maybe a C and something. I shrugged. he just like said, C's in geometry, fine, I get it. You suck at math, not crueling." But uh, he wanted me to get good grades, scholarship, get into a school I wanted. He was still of that mindset. And that mindset still exists a lot of places today. Um, I may have been the last generation as I went did all that schooling in the 90s that didn't have so much structure in my day. Um, I did a lot of my homework at school. Most days after school, I stopped at the Y, which was my gym. I would either play basketball or or do weights, uh, which was outside of baseball season. I was on my own. Come home, play some video games, do eight minutes of homework. And it was instruction. I want to go play outside or see friends. Maybe in the 2000s, that all stopped. We know that sports got far more expensive and far more organized. Um, maybe for certain high-pressure schools, the Perrysburgs, the Ottawa Hills, the Sylvanias, the pressure got even more intense where bees were not acceptable. Um, even if you had money, you needed you you needed to get into a great school, or so you were told. The pressure was ratcheted up, both in the classroom and adjacent to it, and outside of it. Like I think now, kids are probably all messed up because they don't have any free time. Like the, everything's too structured, and when it's not structured, they're playing games. And I don't have a problem with video games and screen time if it's excessive. That's another thing. But I am now honing back in on. Unstructured playtime, as this one article or the the author pointed out, that creates resourcefulness, creativity, enthusiasm. Um, It allows us to explore. So it was a really good beginning of a book. And yeah, let's not think that this crisis is simply because of the phones. The phones amplified everything by 100. But we were probably already trending this way with all the pressure that was put on kids. Oh by the way the other thing my I told you the 1700 never mind. Um, last thing. So, ChatGPT has been the AI that people have been buzzing about for months now, going back to December, or November. I've read articles, people saying this will change the world. In fact, I think Google just rushed out some AI that will give you pictures and images and all this other stuff. And I'm just dabbling here and there. It's kind of like when I aimlessly google something like Google how many days of sun or hours of light are there in Antarctica? Google. How many Jewish people live in France? Like, shit like that. Um, I have an interview tomorrow, another podcast with 68 words where we talk about and highlight uh, disability stories for the Ability Center here in the area and beyond. Tomorrow, I have an interview with some people I don't know about a, this is going to be a pretty technical cause Something called STABLE. What I gather is it is a way for people with a disability to earn money, get some interest, make some savings without affecting their benefits from like Medicaid and, and other government assistance. Makes total sense. Sounds like uh, like HSA stuff. But it's a little over my head. And I do prep hard for my interviews. And I've got plenty of notes. So I was effing around on chat GPT last night. And I asked ChatGPT, what is, can you tell me what stable in Ohio is? It did. It gave me like six paragraphs. I'm like, that's, and it it, it did it in less than 10 seconds. I said, okay, let's take this another step. As many students and people are, writers are asking AI to do work for them. In fact, some places have said, Well, some places are going to cut jobs because AI can write a basic story. But some places have said, hey, look, use this to get the basic stuff done. You work on the creative stuff. Yesterday I said, can you give me some questions for an interview about stable in Ohio? I now have eight questions um, or more. What types of expenses are considered? Qualified disability-related expenses under STABLE program, and how can individuals access the funds in their account? How does the STABLE program interact with other means-tested government benefits such as Medicaid and SSI? Will participation in the STABLE program affect the individual's ability for these benefits? Finally, what do you see as the future of the STABLE program in Ohio and other states, and how do you think it can continue to support individuals with disabilities and their families in the years to come? Nobody gave me those questions. The AI did when I said, can you give me some interview questions for Stable? My jaw dropped. I was mesmerized. So I did not scoff at where we're headed with AI, but I continued to want to play with it before I could go all in and go what I just did. This thing saved my ass for tomorrow. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Don't know if we'll have one tomorrow. But uh, remember, there's always the 68 Words podcast. We post that just about every other Tuesday, so two Tuesdays a month. And thank you for supporting me with the causes that I support, the Ability Center, and beyond.